Now, last week, uh, Pastor Nathan Lee uh, came and shared with us some lessons on grace from the life of Paul. He shared with us five points that grace is a matter of self-acceptance. It translates to us. It has to deal with self-forgiveness. It is eternal in effect, and it is also eternal in its concept. We're talking about Genesis once again as we continue with our series. But as God would have it, from what we'd like to share with you this morning, that the grace of God really abounds in His Word. From Genesis all the way through Revelation, you will see grace manifest. From Genesis to Revelation, you will learn about Jesus Christ. So who else to talk about except God, Jesus Christ, and His grace? We left Genesis chapter 18 when God told Sarah in Genesis 18 verse 19. He said, where is your wife Sarah? And he said, she's in the tent. He said, I will surely return to you at this time next year. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the door, which was behind him. And what did Sarah do? You remember? She laughed. Was there anything funny? If somebody pulls a gag on you, what is that supposed to result in? Huh? Laughter. It's a gag. It's a joke. But the gag or the joke done in the wrong way, does that or will that bring you laughter? No. It will cause strain in the relationship. It will cause strife. Right? But we're talking about God's grace. And I really believe God has a sense of humor. In a way, He plays gags on us. But the gag I'd like to talk with us about this morning is something else. And if you notice, we're, just a heads up, we're fiddling around with the media, okay? So we, we hope it's not going to be a distraction. We, we're, we want to be sensitive to the people downstairs watching in the uh, children's room and also those who might be watching uh, our services online later on. You know that some of us catch the service like Sunday night or Monday because they can't make it with us. So we're experimenting a bit, all right? So be patient with us. Gag. It spells God's abundant grace. God's abundant grace. And that's what I like to talk with us about from Genesis 19, 20, and 21. So at 4.30, if I'm still up here, you are free to go. <laughs> I'm not going to take us that long. Now, from the time that God called Abraham to be a father of a great nation, up to the time of Genesis chapter 18, when God reminded Abraham and told Abraham, this time next year, you will have a son. And you will call your son 
Isaac. Why did God tell Abraham and Sarah to call their son Isaac? Because Sarah laughed. The name Isaac means laughter. God has a sense of humor, right? And if you've been tracking with us, there was a time that Abraham had a nephew. Do you remember his name? Lot. And it came to a point that they were so blessed that the whole land could not contain them. So Abraham and Lot got together, and Abraham, being the older, gave first choice to his nephew Lot. He said, wherever you go, I'll go the opposite way. Right? So, Lot went to the good land, the pasture land. Abram on the other side went to the hillsides, the mountainsides. Visually, the place where Lot went was a beautiful place. Visually, the place that Abraham chose, dumb choice. All right? Now, in the latter part, in the middle and the latter part of Genesis chapter 18, we revisit Lot. And in eight, cha Genesis chapter 18, 20 to 21. And the Lord said, The outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great, and their sin is exceedingly grave. I will go down now and see if they have done entirely according to its outcry, which has come to me, and if not, I will know. Then the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom while Abraham was still standing before the Lord. Now, picture in your mind. God is talking to these angels. And who's present? Abraham. Right? And Abraham is listening to the conversation. And what's the conversation about? The sinfulness, the depravity of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah are so gross that it has gone up to heaven and God is what he's going to do. He's going to exercise his judgment. He is going to destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Right? Abraham is listening into the conversation. He is right there. And he begins to talk to God. And in Genesis 18, 26, he says, So the Lord said, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare the whole place on their account. We don't know the exact numbers in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. But Abraham, knowing that God was going to exercise his judgment, he talks to God. He said, God, are you going to wipe out the whole cities of Sodom and Gomorrah? What if there are 50 righteous people in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah? What will you do? This is the answer of the Lord. If I find 50 righteous, I will not destroy the whole land. Get it? In 28, suppose the 50 righteous are lacking 5. Oh, you do the arithmetic. 50 minus 5 
And what did God said? He said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 righteous there. Right? Do you bargain during Thanksgiving? You don't, wait, well, because you know the price is already reduced. Right? But if they still give less 40, less 50, less 20. <laughs> oh, this is where you want to go. God, what if there's 50? I will not destroy if there are 50. Uh, what if 45? Okay, I will not destroy if I find 45. Uh, suppose there are 40. He said, I will not destroy it on the count of, on the count of 40. Do you see the numbers dwindling? And God is still gracious. Suppose they are 30. Oh, if, if you're the, the salesman, especially in the Philippines, you know you're bargaining, you're up, in ba you're up in Baguio. Strawberries, how much? And then you're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. 40. Okay, for, uh, how about 35? Maybe you'll... You said 40. Now you're bargaining with me. You're dealing with me. We're down to 35. Uh, suppose 20. And he said, I will not destroy it on the account of the 20. Big discount from 50, you're down to 20, right? And he said, I will not destroy it on the account of 10. From 50... Abraham was pleading with God. He was practically bargaining with God. God, what if you find 50? No. If you find 45? No. If you find 30? No. If you find 20? No. How about if you find 10? If I find even 10, I'll not destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Why was Abraham so persevering in asking God about the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Why? Genesis 13, verse 12. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled in the cities of the valley and moved his tents as far as Sodom. Now, who was in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah? Lot. And who was Lot? His nephew. So why do you think Abram was pleading that God spared the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Why? Because his nephew Lot was there. Now, it was a long journey to find Canaan. But you know, I found Canaan. It's just on the 10 freeway. <laughs> See, it's just there on the 10 freeway. <laughs> now, I have not tried the Canaan Chinese cuisine. But I, oh, my, our sister Rachel says, it's good. They live very near there. <laughs> you see, Abram was pleading for the city because if God would not spare the city, his nephew Lot would be destroyed. Do you have family members who need the salvation of the Lord? Are you pleading for them? Or have you stopped praying for them altogether? 
I have with me, you go to all kinds of stuff. I just go to the 99 cent store. Can you help me distribute this, please? I want each of us to have one index card. Just pass it along. And I want us to hold on to that card until the close of the message. Abram pleaded time and time again with the Lord to spare the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah so that hopefully his nephew's son, his nephew Lot, would not be destroyed. And look at the depravity in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. Two angels came to Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. And when Lot saw them, he rose to, to meet and bowed down with his face to the ground and said, Behold, now my lords, turn aside into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may early, rise early and go your way. They said, However, no, but we shall spend the house. We shall spend the night in the square. Yet he urged him strongly, so he turned aside to him and entered his house and prepared the feast for them and baked unleavened bread. Well, the Bible says that we should be hospitable because we never know when we might be entertaining angels. We never know that we might be entertaining a messenger from God. So when Lot encountered these two, he bowed to the ground and offered his place. And they went and stayed with him. But in verse, beginning with verse 5, the people who saw Lot's guest said this, And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may have relations with them. But Lot went out to them at the doorway and shut the door behind him and said, Please, my brothers, do not act wickedly. What was the intention of the people who were going to Lot? Bring out your guests. Why? What kind of relations? Where does the word sodomy come from? From the city of Sodom. They wanted to have physical, sexual relations with these guests of Lot who were the angels of the Lord. And Lot, giving him the benefit of the doubt, credit to him, what does he say? Lot went out to the doorway and shut the door behind him. He said, please, my brothers, do not act wickedly. How many of you vote for Lot? Is he a good defender? Yes. Don't mess with my guests, they're my guests. We have to be hospitable to them. Don't act wickedly. Now remember, Lot is just in their eyes an alien. He does, he's not from there. Right? He's as the, move, the series is just off the boat. He's not from there. Right? He said, please, don't do this wicked thing. I'll give you a compromise. Now behold, I have two daughters who have, had, who have not had relations with, any, with men. 
Please let me bring them out to you and do to them whatever you like. Only do, do nothing to these men inasmuch as they have come under shelter of my roof. So what is Lot's suggestion? Parents, you have daughters? What was Lot willing to do? He was willing to sacrifice his two daughters. Give them to these men. Why? So that the, men, the people don't bother his guests. You want that? Fathers? Are you willing to do that? Why do you think Lot was willing to do that? Because he was afraid of these people. Just to appease so, so this maddening crowd. Don't bother with my guest. Just take my two virgin daughters who have had no relationships with men. Take them instead. Do you see now that the, the depravity of the place that has crept in to the life of Lot? That his thinking would be twisted to the point that he would give his two virgin daughters away to be ravaged by this crowd? Then the men said to Lot, Whom else have you there? These are the angels talking to Lot. Whom else have you have inside? He said, A son-in-law and your sons and your daughters and whoever you have in the city, bring them out of the place. Why? Verse 13, For we are about to destroy this place because their outcry has become so great before the Lord that the Lord has sent us to destroy it. The angels already told Lot, Who is here with your house? Well, my son-in-law. But you know, in, in their culture, once you are engaged, your, your children are considered married. Right? But these sons-in-law have not yet had physical relations with their wives. That's why in the previous verse, he was offering them as those who have not known any man. So the angel is telling them, you flee, you and your household, you, your wife, your two daughters, your two sons-in-law, flee. Why? Because the outcry of the Lord, this place has gone to the Lord. And what is the Lord going to do? He is going to destroy it. Now, is that good news for you? There is a judgment. There is a destruction that is coming. And the Lord is giving you warning. The Lord is giving you an opportunity to escape. Alright? Now, look what happens. And Lot went and spoke to his sons-in-law who were to marry his daughters and said, Up! Get out of this place for the Lord will destroy the city. But he appeared to his sons-in-law to be joke lang, joke lang. Joking. If you are able to disciple your family well, when a parent will tell their children of an impending danger, most likely 
if you're a good parent and you disciple your family well, when you tell them something, will they accept it? Or will they think that is just joking? He had, he had no moral ascendancy over his own children and his sons-in-law. He was already telling them, God is going to destroy the city. Up, let us leave. And how did he come across to his own sons-in-law? As if he was just jesting. As if he was just making a joke. As if he was just pulling a gag. Not so. What did the angels say? And when morning dawned, verse 15 through 17, the angels urged Lot saying, Take your wife, your two daughters, because the sons-in-law not, would not want anything to do with it, right? Take your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he hesitated. You already have a warning. God is already telling you through his messengers, through his angels, you're going to be destroyed. Hurry! Okay. I have to fix my maleta. Oh, wait. My new 50-inch TV from Black Friday. <laughs> he has no sense of urgency. He, he hesitates. So the man, what did they do? He seized his hand and the hand of his wife and the hands of his two daughters. Why? For the what? The compassion of the Lord. The grace of the Lord was upon him. And they brought him out and put him outside the city. Praise God for the compassion of the Lord. That the angels would drag him out to be spared. And it came about when they had brought them outside. The, that one said, escape for your life. Don't look behind you. Don't stay anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains lest you be swept away. Why? What was God going to do? He was going to destroy it. How was God going to destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah? By fire and brimstone. Why is it now by fire and brimstone? Do you remember Genesis chapter 9? When Noah obeyed God and the whole earth died through flood except Noah and his family and the animals who were in the ark? What did God promise? He said, I will never destroy life by water again. And what did God give as a sign of that covenant to the people? The rainbow. Right? That's why in Genesis 19, destruction will now come by fire and brimstone. Now, very sad. The very sign that God used to remind us of his covenant, the rainbow, is now also a sign for what? The LGBT. Yes? God, through his angels, told Lot, get your wife 
get your two daughters. You know, we have no time to go back and forth about it, but Lot said, I, I don't want to go to that place. Can I just go to this place instead? He was still bargaining with the angels. He had no sense of urgency of the impending destruction. Right? And what's the command? Don't look behind you. Right? So, he escapes with his daughter, with his wife, and he's running away from the destruction. Then what happens? But his wife, from behind him, looked back. And she became a pillar of salt. Don't look back. Why? It's a sin. The Gospels tell us when you plow, you don't look back. You have to always look forward. They were told, don't look back. Now, I know some of you, you know, you want your wife to look back. <laughs> or maybe wives, you want to look, your husband to force the head to look back. They were told, they were warned, don't look back. Don't look back to your old lifestyle. Don't look back to your former life of sin. Don't go back there. But what did she do? She became a pillar. Of, so what's her name? Pilar. Just a joke. <laughs> she became a pillar of salt. Right? Now, we all know that so far. God gave him a choice. He chose the greener pasture. Right? But he also chose to live in the city. And because of his approximation or his nearness to this city, this bad city, that's the, the evil have run rubbed off on him already. Right? Now, if you are God, why in the world will you still like to say blood? God gives us the freedom to choose. Yes? Right? But it was Lot's choice. So, if he chose this, then he must suffer the consequences. Right? That's how humans think, feel, and love. It's your choice. You chose it. It's up to you. Right? In English, ano yun? I told you not to go to. You go to. Now look at. <laughs> Sabi ko sa iyo, huwag kang pumunta doon. Pumunta ka doon. Tingnan mo. In English, I told you not to go to. You go to. Now look at. What you like, you like it. Oh, bahala ka sa buhay mo. What you like, you like it. Di ba? Now, Lot chose to stay there. It is but, quote-unquote, fitting that he would suffer the consequences of his choice. Right? But there is something about Lot. Because in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 6, look. And he, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example to those who would live ungodly thereafter, and if... He rescued what? The Bible tells us that Lot 
is a righteous man. Oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men. For by what he saw and heard, that righteous man, while living among them, felt his righteous soul tormented day after day with their lawless deeds. The Bible is telling us that in God's eyes, Lot was a righteous man. And remember, 50, 45, 40, 30, 20, 10, and God could not find even 10, but he found one. He found one in the person of Lot. Now, many times we think that because we've been a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ for so long, that I am impervious to temptation. Your problem, sir. You know, I'm an alcoholic. Why do you hang around in bars? Oh, to prove to you that I am victorious over my alcoholism. Aren't you a gambler? Yes. Do you still gamble? No. Are you sure? You want to bet? <laughs> your, your problem is the girly bar. You're in Manila. I always use this example because this is where I used to, to drive. You're in Manila Hotel. <laughs> You're giving a wrong connotation. <laughs> you are in Manila Hotel. You can go home by a Rojas Boulevard or a Mabini. Your, your, your weakness is the girly bar. Why are you driving in a Mabini? Oh, Pastor, because it's very traffic. So what do you do in the traffic? I look to my left. I look to my right. Why? Because the girly bars are there. Let him who thinks he is strong take heed lest he fall. You are a righteous man. You are being tormented by the deeds of these people. What are you doing there? But because of God's compassion, because of God's grace, God sent his messengers to save Lot. A righteous man according to 2 Peter chapter 2. Now, before we go to Genesis chapter 20, Lot escaped with his two daughters, right? Yes. What did the two daughters do? They got their father drunk. And they had sexual relationships with their own father. That sexual encounter produced the Moabites and the Ammonites. There is still consequence to what you do. God spared not. And in Genesis chapter 20 now, we go back to Abraham. Genesis chapter 20 verse 1. Now Abraham journeyed there toward the land of the Negev and settled between Kadesh and Shur. 
Then he sojourned in Gerar. Now, Abraham was moving about again. And in verse 2 of Genesis 20, Abraham said of, his, of Sarah, his wife, She is my sister. So Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. Do you recall? Does this particular conversation, does it remind you of something? When Abraham was traveling, because of the famine, where did they go? They went to Egypt. What did God say in the book of Isaiah? You didn't ask permission from me to go to Egypt. So when they went to Egypt, how did Abraham introduce himself? I'm Abraham. This is my sister, Sarah. Was that true or false? Or. True or false? When both are true, what? Or. It's the same again. She is my sister. Genesis chapter 12. Please say that you are my sister so that it may go well with me because of you and that I may live on account of you. Friends, you try to compromise. That compromise will lead to another compromise. And then to another compromise. And then to another compromise. You lie once, that lie will breed another lie. And then that second lie will breed a third, a fourth, a fifth before you know it. Where's your report? Oh, it just needs to be typed, sir. I've already, uh, did you start on it? Oh, I've already uh, begun, sir. It's already in draft. What's your topic about? Oh, you haven't even started the report. Why? Because you are afraid of the consequences. You're afraid of the consequences. So what are the possible consequences if Abraham is 100% honest about who this lady is? If they say, if he says that this is my wife, how will Abimelech get Sarah? He has to kill Abraham, right? So, Abraham introduces Sarah a second time in Genesis 20. The first one is in Genesis 12. A second time in Genesis 20, she's my sister. So what happens? Abimelech, king of Gerar, takes Sarah. She must be a really beautiful woman, huh? She's very old. But I don't know what beauty. I mean, Ahaba products, maybe Dead Sea products. I don't know. Well, they have beauty products there, you know, when you go to Israel. Ahaba and Dead Sea. She must be the first one to use that. She is, the Bible tells us she is old. Her womb is dried up. She is beyond childbearing years. But why is it that when they encounter a king, wow, who is she? Uh, my sister. Why? Because if he tells them the truth that she is the wife, they will kill him so that they can get her. Okay? Are you with me? Okay. So, King Abimelech takes Sarah. But what does God do? God came to Abimelech in a dream 
of the night and said to him, Behold, you're what? In English, patay kang bata ka. You are a dead man. And said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because the woman whom you have taken, for she is married. Did King Abimelech know that Sarah was married? No. Who protected King Abimelech? God. The grace of God protects even a pagan king. Okay, you got this woman, but you're going to die because this woman that you got is married. Verse 20, Now Abimelech had, come, had not come near her, and he said, Lord, will you, slay a, will you slay a nation even though blameless? He was within his rights to say that he is without He's not to be put to blame. Because what? Abraham deceived him. I only got Sarah because I was told that she is the sister. Alright? Now, in Genesis 20 verse 5, Did he not say to me, this is the conversation between God and Abimelech, Did he not himself say to me, she's my sister, and herself say, she's my brother? In the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands, I have done this. Then God said to him in the dream, Yes, I know that in the integrity of your heart you have done this, and I have also kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you will live. But if you do not, if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all yours. Did God protect this pagan king, Abimelech? Why? Because God is a gracious God. He not only protects his children, he even protects pagan kings from falling into sin. I know your integrity of heart. That's why I did not allow you to touch this woman. Return her. But if you don't, you will die in all of your household. And Abimelech said to Abraham, what have you encountered that you have done this thing? Did I do anything to you that you would do this to me? Abraham said, Because I thought there is surely no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Wrong thinking will result in wrong behavior. Your view of God will determine the way you live your Christian life. If you have a wrong view of God, you will live your life as a Christian in the wrong way. But if you have the proper view of God, you will live your Christian life the right way. Abram, in his mind, thought, I'm a dead man. So, to preserve my life, I need to lie. Because if I don't lie, they will kill me. You get it? What does he say in verse 12? Besides, she's actually my sister, the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. 
And it came about when God caused me to wander from my father's house that I said to her, This is the kindness which you will show me. Everywhere we go, say of me, he is my brother. Was it true that she was Abraham's sister? In part, it's true. But to preserve himself, to honor himself, you are just my father's daughter. I took you to be my wife. From now on, you say you are my sister. Why would Sarah say that she's the sister? Because the husband told her to lie. Another discipleship moment gone wrong. You see the fear? No, he's not submissive. <laughs> I need to talk to you, my brother. It's not submissive. Lie is a lie. A lie is a lie. Abraham taught Sarah to lie so that he could preserve his own life. His fear of people moved him to tell other people to lie so that he would be preserved. He's more afraid of people than of God. He is enslaved to his fear. How many times has he already lied? Verse 14. Abimelech then took sheep and oxen and male and female servants and gave them to Abraham and restored his wife Sarah to him. Did Abimelech listen to God? Not only that, there's still bonus. Oxen, slaves, etc. And he returned the wife, Sarah, to Abraham. Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before you. Settle wherever you please. Look at the grace of God. Has somebody wronged you? And then you're still willing, okay? You choose. I cannot do that. My human natural tendency, eye for an eye, Life for a life. Tooth for a tooth. That's why I'm not God. Because only the grace of God abounding in you can move you to do that which is humanly possible. Imagine, Abimelech was already the one who was entrapped almost to do this. Yet, he is the one. Say, okay, you choose. Wherever you want to settle, it's fine with me. And Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his so that they bore no children. So that they bore children. Why? Because for the Lord closed fast all the wombs of the household of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. You see the consequence? And you see the grace of God. If you and I are willing to admit before God our sin, our iniquities, what will God do? He will restore you. 
If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Bonus upon bonus upon bonus. This liar, Abram, by the grace of God, was used to pray for this pagan king, Abimelech. Despite his lying, despite his mistakes, the grace of God still allowed Abraham to be used by God. See, it is only the devil who wants to convince you that God will no longer use you, that God will no longer listen to you. Because even after having come to faith in Christ, you still commit sin. My friends, when God forgives you, He forgives you completely. It is only the devil who will continue to accuse you that you are not worthy to be saved. Of course, I'm not worthy to be saved. So how did God save me? By grace. Through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. God can still use you. God can still use you to communicate the gospel no matter what you have done. The question is, will you allow God to use you? He used Abraham. The grace of God is not beyond the reach of anyone. God can reach your worst enemy, even those who would like to kill you. But remember, God gave Abraham a promise. He gave it in chapter 12. He gave it in chapter 15. He, he reminded again of chapter 17. And in the first part of chapter 18, I tell you, this year, this time, next year, you will have a son. And you will name your son Isaac. So in Genesis chapter 21, verse 1, Then the Lord took note of Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what? As he had promised. Were they deserving? Knowing that all of they've done? Humanly speaking, no. But why did God fulfill his promise? Because it was he who promised to them. He is a covenant making, he is a covenant keeping God. And he made it come to pass because he had promised. So what happened? So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the appointed time of which God had spoken. God's timing is not our timing. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. How dare we tell God, Oh God, you know, uh, I need a job. And by the way, I need it by Monday. And the job that opens up to me, uh, I'm used to being assistant vice president. It must come with a brand new car and an expense account, okay? This is how you're supposed to answer my prayer. All right, God? God doesn't operate that way. If it's for you, God will give it. But if it's not for you, God will withhold it. At the appointed time, we must be in tune with God so that we are able 
to keep in step with His Holy Spirit so that we will be able to see this is the appointed time. At the appointed time, Sarah conceived. At the appointed time, Sarah gave birth. And to whom? Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah born him, Isaac. What does the name Isaac mean? Laughter. Why did God tell them to name their son Isaac? Because they laughed at the promise of God. You know, my friend, God loves you. And He wants you to have a relationship with Him and spend eternity in heaven. All you need to do is to put your faith in Christ. Huh? <laughs> That's it? Man, you are really out of this world. We laugh. We find amusement in the ways of God. We, 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 you know some people whom you try to share and they scratch their head or even laugh to your face? Man. Hey, you, do you, you, you're born against, right? No, 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 I'm burned again. <laughs> Isn't it that in, in, in your group uh, they tell you to give 10%? Yes. So you give 10%? Yes. Ay, ay, ay. You don't even know what they're doing with your money. Are you crazy? Why? Because they don't know the promises of God. They don't know the promises of God. Test me in this, says the Lord. If I do not open for you a blessing where your barns will not be able to contain they don't know. So their tendency is to laugh. To be amused at the ways of God. And even Sarah amused, as I will show you in a while. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Who commanded Abraham to circumcise each male in his household? God. Why was, why was it? institutionalized. What was it for? It was a sign. The circumcision is not the covenant. The circumcision is a sign of the covenant. That's why when I last preached, a sign, a sign, is not a sign. Don't assign anything. Don't assign another value to what it really is. It was a sign of the covenant. And God said, every male, as a sign, you must circumcise on the eighth day. When did Abraham circumcise Isaac? On the eighth day. I was able to remember now what it is. Prothrombin is, the, is at its highest above 100% in the child. Vitamin K is also at its peak. When the newborn is eight days. So it's not coincidental that God would command that these male children be circumcised on the eighth day. It's not a happenstance. It's not a coincidence. God knew this before our medical practitioners knew this. 
Every male among you shall be circumcised on the eighth day. When did all of this come to pass? When did God fulfill his promise? When God called Abraham, Abraham, take everything that you have and go to this land I will show you. He was 75. When did they give birth to their son Isaac? Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. How long did they wait? 25 years. In the middle of that waiting period, he lied to the Egyptian Pharaoh. He lied to King Abimelech. What else did he do? He got into his maid. He has another son named Ishmael. Time and time again, God, how will I know? Oh, maybe it's Eleazar. God will have to remind him. No, no, no. And finally, at the age of 100, they have a son of their own named Isaac. Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. Why? And she said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his, old, in his old age. You know, the grace of God brings laughter. There are two kinds, basically two kinds of laughter. A laughter of skepticism and unbelief. Or a laughter of joy when you experience the grace of God. God has made laughter for me. You think that between Genesis 18, when Sarah heard the promise of God, that she laughed, is the same laughter that she had in Genesis 21 verse 6? I think not. I think the first kind of laughter was a laughter of skepticism and unbelief. But in Genesis 21, when she sees the fulfillment of the promise of God, her laughter was in amazement. Who would have said that Abraham and Sarah would nurse children? Yet, I have borne him a son in his old age. Only God's abundant grace can do that. Despite ourselves. Because grace is unmerited favor towards you and I. Remember this picture we showed to you a while back? God's triangle of blessing. It begins with God. It be begins with God and His Word. And as you get to know God and read His Word, you develop faith. And if that faith is genuine, it will result in obedience. You keep on saying you love God. You keep on saying you trust God. Ask yourself, are you really trusting and obeying God? Because if you're not yet obeying God, maybe 
you're not really trusting God. Begins with God. God and His Word. Know God through His Word. Apply it by faith, which results in obedience. You see, God already told Sarah, is anything too difficult for the Lord? If God were to ask you today, is anything too difficult for the Lord? Can you honestly say, Amen? Or your faith hasn't gotten to that point yet. Yes, Lord, I believe that nothing shall be impossible with you. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you at this time next year and Sarah will have a son. Is there anything too difficult for the Lord? Is one of your family members, your friend, your office mate, outside the reach of God? I don't think so. God's promises done in God's way, done in God's time, will eventually bring for you God's best. Do you want God's best? Then wait. Wait on the Lord. Cling to Him. Cling to His Word. Maybe you just graduated from college and you don't know what job. Pray. Wait. Do your part. You've been single for the longest years. You're, the way you spell single is now with a D. Singled. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Trust in God's promise to be done God's way in His perfect time and you will have what? God's best. You have to do it. You have to do it God's way, God's time. If not, you'll mess up the recipe. Now, why? Why does God do this? Why does God treat us this way? As I close. Psalm 103. The Lord, can we read this? The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. That is God. Only God can treat us this way. Why? Because of God's abundant grace still blank right my challenge for you this morning is for you to take this index card and write the names of people whom you know to need the grace of God in their lives 
Come on, pull them out. If you have, if you need ball pens, we have ball pens there, right? I want to spend these next few minutes before I close us in prayer. Write the names. They may be your relatives. They may be your office mates. They may even be your enemies. Write their names. And like Abraham, in the coming days, weeks, and even months, pray for them. Intercede for them. Pray, God, this person needs to know you. If you're not going to use me, help me bring this person whom you will use so that they can know about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Last Sunday afternoon, you went to Skid Row. You fed them with turkey. You fed them with the grace of God, the good news of the gospel. Take, please. We're not going to live here until you fill this card. If it's only one person you put there, fine. But I know we know more than one person. Look around us. We are beginning to see just familiar faces within us. Have we stopped sharing the gospel? Have we stopped inviting people to our Bible study, to our D group, to our church, to our retreats? We see ourselves. So I'm feeling something might be wrong. Are we getting comfortable? Are you writing? Are you writing? Write. Write. If you don't have a pen, raise your hand. We have a pen. Oh, that's why they're not writing. <laughs> if you're not writing, lefting. Okay? Here. We have a, we need three here in front. Uh, two there at the back. Right. Please return the ball pens. <laughs> okay. Right. There at the back. Uh, people downstairs. Maybe they need index card. Maybe they need ball pens over there. Here. Index card right here. Right. Write them. Maybe it's your dad, your mom, your grandparents. Maybe they're in the Philippines. Maybe they're somewhere else and you're hesitant. Well, I'm not going to write their name because they're, within, they're not within reach. Are they outside the reach of God? Write their names. Begin to pray for them. Maybe you, you won't be the one. Maybe God will send someone. But pray. And treat the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the vineyard. For what? The harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. God, I cannot reach them, but you can reach them. Are you writing? Are you writing? Write their name. You know where you can invite them? December 13. What do we have in December 13? Our evangelistic Christmas party. Christmas worship service. 
Where else can you invite them? Oh, couples retreat 2016. Do something. Invite them. Perfect. Thank you, Brother Yurik. Invite them every Sunday. Invite them to your D group. Do something. At the very least, pray for them. God, will you send someone? Send them an email. Send them a text. Send them something. Do something. You know, I, I'm, I'm not on Facebook much because I'm the type who will respond. So if I friend all of you, my 24 hours will be consumed with just having to reply. But I opened one of my Facebook pages and, oh, this is my college classmate. He's just, he's just living here in Gardena. He has been here for 30 years. He told me that our batch has a Christmas party on the 19th of December, which means he's not the only one here. So I'm touching base. I'm reconnecting. Why? Because I want to be popular? No. Perhaps God will use that encounter to introduce Jesus to the conversation. Right. Write their names. How many of you know Piolo Pascual? Raise your hand. Don't be shy. How many of you know Piolo Pascual? Come on, raise your hand. You know him. You know of him. You know him personally? All right. My eldest sister is always with him and his family, pictures of posting. So I'm putting this together. And I send a message to one of our D group members over there who is involved in show business. And I said, Do you have contact with Piolo? Because my eldest sister is always on Facebook with them. Can you tell Piolo to share the gospel with my sister? Do something. No one is outside the abundant grace of God. She replies, Oh, he changed his number. Aside, do you know somebody who knows somebody who might be able to get in touch? Oh, the brother of Gary Valenciano is in my D group. I will tell her. I can't reach them. They live in the Philippines. They have a good life. In my personal opinion, they don't really have and they don't really need God to be the center of their life. Very religious, but they need Christ. 
You know people like that? Who need God's abundance, grace? Pray for them. Reach out to them. The CEOs. Those who come to church, Christmas and Easter only. God Almighty, we unite our hearts, Lord, in lifting to you the names of these people that we have written down. God, they may be out of our reach, but they are not out of reach too far from your grace. Lord, if you used Abraham, if you used Lot, a righteous man, if you used even the pagan king Abimelech, Lord, I know you can use us. Move us, Lord. Make us uncomfortable to the point that we will do something so that we may be able to share God's abundant grace with the people around us. Be pleased with our worship of you, Lord God, through our singing. Be pleased with our worship of you through the preaching of your word. Father, we pray that you will be pleased with our offering of worship through our giving. And as we give, Lord, remind us that our giving goes to the work that you have entrusted to us. We even pray, Lord God, for the blessing of food that will be shared later on. May you use this food to the nourishment of our bodies as your spirit brings nourishment to, to our souls. We want to thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.